Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to welcome each and every one of you back to our series on miracles where we're studying the miracles of Jesus No one performed more miracles than Jesus. There's miracles in the Bible, but Jesus has the most of them. I wanna look in the camera there. Welcome our McKinney campus, our Hazlitt campus. Welcome all of those of you that are joining us online. Would you put your hands together and welcome everybody that's joining in with us this weekend. Well, we have an exciting miracle this weekend to study. I believe it connects with us in two significant areas, actually. Uh, But before we study the miracle, I do wanna celebrate something happening in our church that's significant. And uh, that is that we've been having in our Wednesday night with our young people, we've been having what we call super series. And uh, this last week on Wednesday night, we had around 1,700 teenagers at all our campuses gathering. And uh, it's not just about the number, but you know we don't throw a lot of numbers around, but when you can get 1,700 teenagers to church, I think it's worth celebrating, you know? And uh, I just wanna say thank you to the couple of hundred volunteers, and we had at all our campuses, I know we had a lot of students saved in McKinney, we had about 90-something students give their heart and life to Jesus Christ this week, this week. And uh, I just want to say thank you to you because there's a lot of people talking, you know, about young people. And, you know, as you get older, you can kind of be like, young people. I had a guy the other day go, millennials. I'm like, dude, they're 40 years old now. They're not, I mean, it's like, <laughs> the millennials are out there waving. All right, yeah, yeah. You guys got a bad rap. Okay, but anyway. <laughs> It's, it's one thing to talk about the problem, it's another thing to be a part of the solution, and the solution is Jesus, and the solution is training them in a biblical worldview, and I just wanna thank you as a church for being a church that has a heart for the next generation, and God's doing amazing things among the next generation here at Milestone Church. Well, this week, the miracle is, is really interesting because it is a miracle where Jesus touches the heart of a person. He forgives sins. And if you're here and you're thinking, man, I feel guilty, I feel weighted down, I've hurt people that I love, there's good news. Because Jesus forgives sins. So he forgives his sins, but I think there's also an interesting part to the story that's really an amazing thing that speaks to where our culture is, and that is that he had some friends. His friends brought him to Jesus and they do some radical things to get him to Jesus. Jesus says that there's no greater love, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for their friends. And so Jesus models friendship. I'm so thankful that Jesus models this for us. He models the relational life. He came to show us what God's like. And so Jesus lived among friends. Jesus called people friends. Jesus was touching this guy's life because of his friends. 
I, I, had, uh, I had my health checkup, my pre-50 health checkup. A couple weeks ago, I crossed over. Had my after-50 checkup. Didn't really improve on my stretching much. My first checkup, they had, they said, we want to check your flexibility. And so they put me down there and said, stretch for these, 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 this, this bar, this, this, this grade, you know, like reach out there. And the lady turned and I started stretching. She turned around and said, okay, you can begin now. <laughs> like, that's wrong. Because I've been really working at it already. This time she made me do some kind of yoga poses. She upped it, you know I mean? It's, it's amazing. And so, yes, I, I did okay. My numbers were a little not great. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you need to get rid of some visceral fat. You need to eat better. My wife walked out. She said, if you would eat like me, you'd be healthy. I said, but you eat grass. And she said, yes, and you need to eat gluten-free. And I'm like, but that's taste-free. And we had pizza the other night. And I'm like, it tastes funny. She said, it's cauliflower. I was like, the devil stole pizza, man. What up? <laughs> then she said, you know what you really need to do? You need to get off dairy. I was like, what, what are my, children, what are my Cheerios going to do? They'll be lonely. <laughs> what happened to Bluebell? She said, I said, so what if you don't drink milk? People have been drinking milk for centuries. She said, you can have almond milk. I said, almonds don't produce milk. I've never seen a lactating almond. And now she's got a new one. She said, you can do pea milk. Pea milk? Peas pea milk? I didn't. I'm sorry. I, I, anyway, we, we have so many things at our disposal, and we check our health, and we get our health checkups and our dentist appointments, and it's, it's okay, it's good, but... This week's miracle gives us a relationship checkup. How are you doing in your relational world because that influences your fulfillment, it influences your life, and it goes against the cultural expression of our world today to look out for me, myself, and I, and it pushes us outside of our individual world. We live in a world today, it's something that I'm passionate about. I think it's something that we're missing that is, that is absent from so many people's lives is, is we live today in our, our downloadable Christianity and we have our podcast preachers but we don't have anybody to live what they're teaching us. And so with more technology, we become more isolated. We saw it over the pandemic. I'm not talking about the practicals of how to isolate and do all that. I'm not talking, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the reality. When we get the real statistics, when we settle all of us and agree on the statistics, we're gonna look back that the proverb is true. A man who isolates himself rages against all sound judgment. All of the ills of culture and society because of us being separated from one another. It's just, the, I've looked at some recent things, just the beginning. I know, I know you. You're amazing. I pastor the greatest group of people, but the sheep left the barn. And, then, and we opened the barn back up. You came back and some of you had rabies. You're like, I'm your shepherd. Hey, chill. And so we have technology today, but we are absent and void in relationships. There was a Gallup poll from 1990 to 2022 that says five times in that period, by the way we do life, there's five times as many people who said, 
I don't have one close friend. I don't have one close friend who would be there and stick with me and walk me through the pains and challenges of life. The Surgeon General has declared an epidemic of loneliness. We're around more people than we've ever been around, but we are not around the people that can help us get to what God's called us to do. And so I wanna help us this week with the main application of the passage, but I wanna help us with something else, and that is God wants us to live out his plan and purpose for our life in a relationship and relational world that includes friends. And so that's why many years ago I coined the phrase, it's better to eat a burger with your friends than kale by yourself. Can I have an amen in the house of God? Somebody said amen. I want us to look and take you to this miracle. I went to Israel and filmed it from close to the location of where it would happen. I want us to look at it together and then come back and unpack it. Watch this with me. So one of the things that's clear when you study the story of Jesus is that he was a miracle working Jesus. But I wanna talk about a miracle that happened, the context tells us Jesus was at the Sea of Galilee and then he finds his way to a crowd of people. There's a, there's a house and right behind me is an example of an excavated group of those homes or houses that would have been in this region at that time. The stairs would have been on the outside. But another unique thing about this miracle is that it's not just about a house and some stairs close to the Sea of Galilee, but it had included in the story that were critical were friends. I'm so glad the story of Jesus includes friends. Friends were a part of the miracle that Jesus would perform here. Let me read it to you in Luke chapter five. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him in on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. 
I really love this miracle. I, I love the persistence of his friends, the love that's demonstrated there to go up on the roof to lower him down. You know what else I love is Jesus called him friend before he knew him. So Jesus ties in to, I, I love this miracle because it's obviously connected to the paralytic and his connection to Jesus and the healing that does happen, but Jesus is speaking of a greater healing, the, the spiritual healing that's happening, the forgiveness of sins and his interaction with the Pharisees and Jesus's ability to not only just heal us physically, to, but to make us completely whole and forgiven. But, but I like also the, the horizontal aspect, the, the relational aspect. I, I think we miss that a lot today. I think there's a lot of people say, hey, I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'd like to be more connected to Jesus. But a lot of people miss the idea that Jesus called him friend and that Jesus had friends and friends brought him to Jesus. I, I love that in, a, in an isolated and lonely world that we live in today where many, many people with mostly their own goals and their own ideas and have it your own way and, and, and with the the individualism and the selfishness of our culture, the reality is we have more achievements, but we're less fulfilled. And we feel like we're missing so much in life because significance in life is much more relational than it is practical. And Jesus shows us that in the story where his friends lower him down to Jesus. Jesus calls him friend. I want us to really think about this miracle. We, we could spend a lot of time talking about Jesus's power to heal and Jesus' forgiveness of sins. And the main thesis and theme of this is that. But I, I wanna just pose a couple questions to you that as I came here and I thought about a house like this and a man being lowered down by his friends, we don't know their names, we don't know how many there are, but God does and I guarantee it was significant to that man that was lowered down. I, I just really would like to leave us with the thought in the area of this miracle. Number one, do you have friends like that? I always say you're building your relationships today for maybe your lowering down moment of tomorrow. When you're on your mat, do you have the friends that are willing to say, I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm gonna get them to Jesus. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to help them get to where Jesus is so he can help them. Do you have those kind of friends? Well, I would encourage you, sometimes it's hard to step out, but to be more intentional about that, no matter what your personality type is, or even though we live in a transitional world where we've moved, I, I would say step out. It's why at our church, we're so, so deliberate about creating opportunities and on-ramps and grow track and small groups. That's why I'm doing this series to help you be able to take a relational step to find those friends that'll be there to lower you to Jesus. But second of all, let me ask you another question that I really began to ponder. Are you that kind of friend? Will you be willing to be that kind of sacrificial friend? I'm always blown away and amazed by the impact that a lot of times people think it's special people and preachers like myself and others, or maybe just spiritual people or somebody that has more resources. But really, when I talk to everyday people in many, many years as a pastor, 
They're talking about those friends that brought food to their house when they had a struggle, that prayed and took care of their kids when they went through a crisis. It's, it's, it's the bearing of one another's burdens that, that makes this walk with Jesus so rich. And, and I wanna just encourage you to, to a lot of people today live in a very individualistic relationship with God, to tap into this miracle story that included friends. What a powerful story that we've witnessed. this story because it connects to something that I'm passionate about and I see absent from our world today in such a great degree. It can be cliche, but I truly believe the phrase is true. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. We are relational beings designed by God. God is a relational God, and so it has a huge impact and an influence on our lives, and we live in a world today that consistently puts in front of us ourselves, our ideas, look out for yourself, and a lot of people find that they have more achievement but less fulfillment by chasing the wrong target. I don't wanna jump right to it, I wanna help you with it because it's not fair for me to say, I see this as missing without giving you some practical thoughts, but we do have to make sure that the main application of the passage is very central to every time Jesus encountered someone, and that is that he forgave this man's sins. Doesn't matter how good of friends you have if you're lost. Doesn't matter how great a life you have if you spend eternity separated from Jesus. So I wanna make sure, and I know it may be a campus or online or someone listening to me, you may be, I don't, I don't really know the, the, the message of Jesus, the purpose of the life of Jesus, and so I wanna tell it to you really quick. You say, how does he forgive sin? Well, I, I like the diagram that I use a lot. First of all, we are broken people. If you don't settle the fact that you need a savior, you won't be really receptive to a savior unless you know you need saving. We live in a narrative of the world today that people are basically good. Uh, people just, you know, they would choose the right thing. They just need to be given better options. Those people have never raised kids. I've had a lot of them. A two-year-old doesn't need taught how to be selfish. They come by it naturally. We got it from our father, Adam. We were born into sin. It's called original sin. You don't have to be taught to blow your life up. You do it as a normal way of the course of your life. And it's not that, again, we're always the one that is doing the breaking because we do it, but we've also had the impact of sin. And sometimes brokenness has come to us because of things around us. Either way, we're flawed before a perfect and holy God. And this perfect and holy God wants to have a relationship with us and the difference in the message of Jesus and every other religion is every other religion comes with a religious figure who has a grave with bones in it who said do these certain things and if you'll do them then you can come up to this standard that I have religiously set. Jesus said, you can't fix your own life. You can't fix your own problems. If you could, you would have already done it. So I'm coming down to you. 
And Jesus lived a sinless life. He lived the life we could never live so he could give us a life that we could never earn. And that's the purpose of the cross of Jesus, to make a payment. When we sang the song, redemption, you're like, what is that big religious word? It means you were purchased. You were bought with a price. Jesus paid the price on the cross, and he rose from the grave. And if you have guilt, you say, why do I have guilt? Because you're guilty. Because you've done things that offend God, the things you've never told anyone. God saw it. He knows what you've done. He knows your most innermost thoughts and intentions and motives. And yet he loves us anyway. And he comes to offer to us forgiveness of sins. That's the message and life of Jesus. I wanna spend our remaining moments though talking a bit about the questions that I ask you. Do you have those kind of friends that would carry you to Jesus? Do you have those kind of radical friends I think these friends were radical. It's like, I don't know what the guy was saying. Where are we going? Where are you taking me? What's happening? We're on the roof now. What are you guys doing? We're getting you to Jesus. Do you have the kind of friends that don't even say, look, I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to take you to Jesus. These friends were radical. Do you have those kind of friends and a bigger question is, are you that kind of friend? I wanna tell you it's a value here at Milestone. It's a, it's a part of the fabric that we love God with all our heart, but we also don't just have an individualistic, isolated love for God. That love of God compels us to put it into tangible action in a real way. So it's not aspirational that we love God, it's actual by the way we love. That's what Jesus said when he was talking about laying down your life for your friends. He told them, love each other with this kind of love. I've done about 250 to 260, I don't know, somewhere in there, Discovery 101s, that's the first step, and I've shaken a lot of hands. The number one thing they say about you, they're friendly. They're friendly. And part of me is like excited to know that you are friendly and part of me is grieved. Because we as followers of Christ, it's like we can get that one. Why should that be a distinction? I got around some believers and they were friendly. Man, I don't think we get extra credit for that. Like we can get that one. But I think it's the motive and the motivation of Jesus' relationship with you that I see in you, and it's one of the things I'm most proud of about you is wherever I go, where I find crisis, I find you being those kind of friends, taking people meals, loving people. Anytime I make my way to a hospital visit, there's always a small group of people and people there taking care of people. I went to greet the family that had a funeral here just not too long ago, the Wall family. Josh and Bethany have been a part of our church for many years, all the way back to Willis Lane, and they're just amazing people in an amazing family, and I went just to pray over the family before the funeral, and the family wanted to tell me, and they were talking about you, not me. We've received so much love. We've received so much care. The church has surrounded us. They've taken care of us. Miss Wall's on the front row here, lost her husband, and just, I want you to hear it from a real life 
example. In this letter, Bethany told me, she said, our family, both believers and unbelievers alike, they were blown away by the love and expression of Jesus that came through people. It's spiritual, it's powerful. It's the way to the hearts of people today in our less friendly, more self-absorbed, more customized world. Just being a person who looks outside yourself can make a huge impact for the name of Christ. It's powerful in today's world, but the fact is we are consistently messaged in our world today to live for resume virtue versus eulogy virtue. Resume virtue is you talking about you. It's you dressing up your resume. It's you telling them how great you are. Now we have QR codes on our resume. Now you can see me. Your resume is what you say about yourself. It's look what I've done, but your eulogy is the impact you've had on others. It's the things people say about you. I had a eulogy virtue moment here not too long ago. Had a 50th birthday celebration with some of my closest friends, my pastors, my kids, my mom, my family. I was, it was overwhelming, overwhelming. Just the things and the statements and the, it's when you have those moments like a, 50th birthday and you got those people and you're just, it's like, it's like it makes what's important in life so real. And over the course of my life, the revelation I'm giving you today, somehow, some way it was presented to me and somehow, some way I stumbled into it and grabbed a hold of it. And I wanna say to somebody today that's living for resume virtue, I'm giving you permission to prioritize what you actually care about. When you get to the end of your days, you're not gonna care about your resume. You're not gonna care about your trophies. They're going to sell them all or lose them. You're gonna care about the people you've made an impact on. So I thought this week, I'm the last part of the message. We've learned the Bible. Now let's, let's apply the Bible. And I thought if I were sitting down with you over coffee, I took a blank piece of paper and said, what are the few things I would tell you that could get us over the hump here? What are the barriers? What are the things holding us back? Number one, we don't place the right value on friendship in our culture today. We put more value on the what, but this book right here puts the value on the who. Jesus is a who, he's not a concept, he's not a statue, he's not a figment of our imagination, he's a who. He's not calling you to join an organized religion, he's calling you to join a relationship with him. It's the who, it's the who in your life that Jesus calls us to, so we have to move toward that. If we value it, then you have to start saying, I'm gonna put myself out there, and you're like, I've been hurt, join the crowd. The only way to not be hurt is to not love. It's going to happen, so we have to say, you know what, who cares what they did or as they said, I'm gonna move in this direction, I'm gonna make it not an aspirational value, I'm gonna make it an actual value. The culture's movement is away from friendliness and 
outside yourself and more toward customization and more towards personalization. That's the world we live in. Go to a restaurant today. Every family member is sitting doing this. We have our own playlist, our own watch list, our own worlds that we can hibernate in instead of looking in the face of someone else and connecting with them. We gotta place the value on it and really the way you value it is you come to a phrase that is not natural for us to think, it's not about me. It's not about me. Number two, we expect someone else to do this for us. You're like, Jeff, I want one of those friends. If you say I'm preparing my relational world for my moment to get lowered to Jesus later, then I need that and I want that and I wish I had a friend and I wish I could have me a BFFFF. Well, well, what we have is a problem today that says someone else do that for me. Is there friend.com? Is there a way you could get me one of those friends? Could you door dash me one of them? And I wanna say something to parents, this is important for our kids. Because of technology, we are losing the skill that will make your kids actually successful, not by the world's standards. It's not their IQ alone, it's their EQ. And now we're having to concierge their experience to college because we never trained them and we buffered them and we protected them and said, if you don't like it, you don't have to do it. And we hear it here. All these next-gen things and, well, am I, could the youth pastor personally meet my kid at the car and then take them in and, and my kids just don't wanna go? Well, well, you know what? Where I come from, mom and dad and kids get together and pray and ask God where they've called them to be and they plant themselves in the house of God and you don't get an option. And so you say, go. Well, I don't know. They're not cool. They don't, could you broker my kid's experience? I grew up in the old school. My dad brought me to kindergarten and said, here's Jeff, do whatever you want with him. <laughs> when we came home, my parents didn't entertain us. You can go outside and play with a stick. So you found a bicycle gang and you started riding all over town until you got a whistle to come home. You, you, you get over your insecurity when you go. He's like, well, that's 1,700 kids. That's a lot of kids. Well, if you go to college, there'll probably be more. And when you show up at college, instead of hibernating in your dorm room, you might need to actually be friendly. Because the way you get a friend is you are a friend. That's how you get one, not from friend.com. A generous person, the proverb says, will prosper. A generous person will be blessed. Whoever refreshes others will also be refreshed. That proverb to me is, if you want a friend, just be a friend. I saw that in the baptism service that we just had, Caesar. Caesar was a carry your friends to Jesus guy. And I was thinking about this message and I saw Caesar and I thought he got healed from cancer and then he got touched and more than being healed from cancer like in the Bible, he got saved, he gave his heart and life to Jesus, but then he went and got his best two friends, JP and Anthony, and brought them to Jesus. Caesar is a lower your friends through the roof Caesar guy. The third thing is we struggle to resolve conflict in our lives. We learned it in our homes. When you let your kids have their way exclusively, you're harming their ability to function in their own marriages and families. 
When you pout and get your way, I'm only setting you up for a lot of pouting in life. We have to learn to resolve conflict. We have to, by the way, your ability to resolve conflict in your life, there's a direct link to your quality of life. I'm gonna say this again. There's a direct link to your quality of life and your ability to solve conflict in your relationships. Every relationship has conflict. You gotta learn to not keep receipts. You gotta travel light. You gotta get a ladder and get over it. You gotta absorb, you gotta let it go, you gotta offer grace. You gotta have skills to resolve conflict. It affects your quality of life. The fourth thing is, and this is big, in our competitive world, we miss it. We don't compete with our friends, instead we celebrate them. This is so big. Social media has intensified this. I could preach multiple messages on this that would help us. I'm a competitive person. I mean, if we're playing checkers, I'm playing to win. But the truth is, I don't compete with my friends. I don't wanna compete. It hurts my heart for my friends. Again, we can have a friendly game, but I'm talking about not a game, I'm talking about life. And if you wanna be a person that has multiple friends, be a person that celebrates the wins of the people around you. It's such a small-minded mentality to think if someone else wins, then that means that I have to lose because our God is unlimited. He doesn't have one little piece of pie that someone ate the last slice. And so we learn to celebrate it. And, and, and honor, by the way, it's not really honor until you give it away. The people around you don't know unless you say. So send that text. When you look on social, look at her. Look where they're going. I think she lost weight. <laughs> send her a text and say, you're looking good, girl. Hope you're enjoying whatever it is God's blessed you with. And you know what'll happen? You'll start finding people. No one ever celebrates me. No one's ever into me. I wish I had some friends like that because you don't celebrate anybody else. If you become a people celebrator on your days that you are celebrating, they will show up in droves to celebrate you. It's the way it works. I was in a meeting with our staff and families in college the other day and there's a girl named Caroline and I was thinking about this message thinking about it in the room and this message connected to Caroline's story. I'd never heard her complete story. We were having like a little testimony time and they gave Caroline the mic and by the time she finished talking, all of us were crying. And so I thought just to show you this outside, even in severe pain and challenge, how God brought her, he touched her, he personalized his connection with her just like happened to this man, but she, she turned and gave it away. I want you to watch Caroline's story with me. I've always loved art. It has been a part of my life since I can remember. I've always loved drawing and doodling and growing up that was all that I did in my free time. 
For me, those illustrated Bibles really had a big impact in my life because it really gave me an image to look at, to really see what God did for me. So going into college, I ended up finding a love for graphic design. My plans for after college were I wanted to see my art big. I had my life completely planned out and then everything got turned on its head and I felt like my dreams were lost. I was losing my memory. I was having seizures and then hearing the actual diagnosis that I had a brain tumor was earth shattering. My grandma had the exact same cancer that I had and she ended up passing away from it. I mean, I was terrified. I thought my life was over. I had to go through brain surgery. I had to do weeks of radiation and I had all of my hair fall out. It was really hard. That just paired with the actual weight of the diagnosis made me just want to give up. I hate to say it, but I was angry at God. The brain surgery was so hard. I thought that was the thing he was delivering me from. And so then to expect a miracle from God and then to be given worse news, I really just took it out on God, honestly out of spite. I'm so mad at you that I'm going to read the Bible to prove to you that what you're saying is wrong. The more that I read the Bible, the more that I felt God's love and the more that I understood who He was. The miracle is not whether or not He heals me. The miracle is walking through these trials, knowing that I have a God who loves me and that the same God who was in this Bible is the same God that is with me today. Truly, I, I just feel like it's a miracle that I am here today and I'm married and I feel like I have my dream job. It's not how I thought it would look, but it's better than anything that I could have ever imagined. Now today, all I want is to make art that can lead people to Jesus. I found out recently that I was going to get to design this coloring book for the Miracle series for the kids. It felt like Everything that I had gone through was building up to this opportunity to really translate these miracles into illustrations that will be able to stick with these kids like it did for me. I prayed every single morning before I got to work and really just prayed that God would direct my hand as I drew so that it can clearly help these kids see exactly what Jesus did for them. One of the stories that I got to illustrate was the story of the friends bringing the paralytic man to Jesus on a mat. And whenever I was drawing that, I was praying that this illustration could be the mat that carries these kids to Jesus so that they can come to him in their time of need. Isn't that amazing? Wow. You stand on your feet with me. I was praying that God would use my hands and the story to be a mat to bring kids to Jesus. 
I'm gonna ask you just to bow your heads and no one move around for just a moment. We're closing our service, but I believe it's an important moment. There's somebody maybe listening to me at a campus or online as well. I'm gonna ask everybody just to bow their heads and maybe you are that person who says, I need to be forgiven. You're not in a right place with Jesus. You're not, you're not right with him and you need your sins forgiven. Well, Jesus didn't just do this for this man, he can do it for you. But you gotta reach out and receive it. You can just simply say, Jesus, just in your own words, Jesus, you know what I've done, you know the brokenness that I am, the brokenness that I've caused, but I receive you today as my Jesus, my personal Lord and Savior. I accept you, I believe you died on the cross, rose from the dead. I accept you into my heart and life. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to let us know so that we can maybe come to our grow track, come forward at the end of the service. Let us help you now learn how to walk with Jesus. But second of all, Lord, I pray you stir us. I pray someone who is in what we call today the Surgeon General declaring an epidemic of loneliness. I pray, Lord, you would give courage to take a step courage to step out of our worlds. Lord, I pray that you, Jesus, you said it in the passage, you saw these friends' faith. Let us have the faith of those friends that you see in our lives and let us act on it in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.